After Show. Yes. I'm Alex. And I am Levi. And what an episode. What an episode. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I just have to start off with saying that <laughs> Rand had a lot of punchable moments. Oh yeah, so many punchable moments. He, like you know, I, 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 I was almost worried I was like down on him a little too hard like yeah. reacting to episode one and talking about episode one but you if if you weren't on on the, uh, roughly the same page as me then i feel like you kind of are now for sure if you don't come into this knowing anything about rand because oh my god rand yeah why man he just like i mean it's interesting because uh we were just saying how like matt we were expecting more pranks from matt and he's kind yeah. of been like the the humorous voice of reason who's been like all right, you just said more words than you ever have. He like, just kind of says a thing we're all thinking in a funny yep. way. And She I feel flings like, fireballs, so I want to be on her good side. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Rand is like saying the punchable things that we're all kind of thinking of, like, should we trust this lady? And he just kind of does it. Well, are we thinking those things? Because he, like, he has like anti-timing. He, like, yeah. brings things up at the worst possible times. Yeah, and he's like so emo and moody with Egwene. It's like, come on, dude. Like... Uh, just accept that she doesn't want to be your like blushing bride, you know. Yeah, He's, but like, she's not so ready to totally like push him well, away okay, either. Yeah, you know, like the the tension is like bringing him back around. But what what would you pick as Rand's most punchable moment? Uh, his whole like childish rant at Moraine yeah, when she has done totally. basically nothing but ensure they live totally when, with a small army of Trollocs after them, and he's like. What stops us from dying like that ferryman that you didn't directly kill? Yeah. And Moraine's like, I do not have time for this. Yep, she's like, I don't care. Run out of patience. <laughs> Got a Trolloc stab wound. Yep, no big deal. Yeah, I. for me, the most punchable was that one little line where, you know, like, Egwene just snuggling up to him. It's like, this can just be a quiet little, you know, like, I just need some companions. She's like, I came out here to be alone. Oh, God. It's just like, God. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. He's... Knuckles of the face, my friend. Yep. That face begs for a fist. <laughs> and that is why it is perfect casting. Yeah, it's great. I mean, huh. he's a good actor, and he's doing a really good job with Rand. Rand just happens to be, you know, yeah. Rand, fairly punchable. Rand grows, but, like, there's there's always there's always yeah. an element of punchability, I yeah, feel like. It, it morphs over time, but... It definitely morphs over time. Actually, I feel like at the end of the 13th book, no, at the end of the twelfth book, we took a hard turn for like Rand not being punchable, and I'm like, mm, I don't really buy this as being Rand anymore. <laughs> it's like, true. Wait, without it's the true. punchability, what is he essentially? <laughs> <laughs> he remembers the women. <laughs> yes, he definitely does that, and not in the but way we that can, you're thinking. Yes, <laughs> we'll get into that. that, that we'll get into not that dishes. much later. Yes, probably, <laughs> maybe not even in this season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hope not. Anyways, anyways, what did you think for? Uh, what was your favorite moment? Uh, my favorite moment was uh, probably that whole establishing scene with the white cloaks because mm -hmm. I feel like in the books you had a yes. little bit of time to be like, okay, they're like dedicated to rooting out dark friends. These might be like, they're like good, but like kind yeah. of like a little too zealous. But here, yeah. like right away, you have like Star Wars Empire music playing totally. as he like burns a woman alive, like you immediately know what these dudes are about. And that's that's kind of fine. I'm fine with it being established that quickly. Totally. That they are made of bastard. Yes. And I was saying how I don't feel like we ever saw like a white cloak killing of an Aes Sedai like on the page in the series, even though they totally would. And it was sort oh, of yeah. just implied like 
if they could, but they suck, so they can't. <laughs> and I and would... just having like a confirmed like eyes that I killer who's like got their rings like like ears like tied to his that's yep. awesome. Just like as trophies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. My uh my favorite moment was similar too. It's interesting because I kind of feel like you know, like we started everything last episode and this one has been kind of a lot of middle of like, we're still in the chase. True. So the main plot is kind of like, okay, we've gotten a moment to breathe and reflect on what this is and we're still in the chase, but like we, it still feels like middle, but the white cloaks I think were interesting because it was something new and it developed because mm. we see them and then we have it matter because Moraine is in danger from them. And to me, that like the tension of that scene where they meet in the forest and yeah. Glenn hides her ring and she like lies pretty well until like she can't think of a lie and yep. she's like just struggling with her own. You can see it on O's. her face. It's so good in her voice. She is a killer actor. Oh like, yeah. She does such a good like, job. Like you could I always admire when actors can do like in character acting. Totally, yeah. Because you you can you can yeah. believe like that is Moraine and she's putting on an act. Yeah, not, this is the actor just playing a different. Character. And she's not as good at it. Yes, know, like, <laughs> totally. And I just like as a writer, I respect when you can have like conflict that's really tense and you're really worried without actually any physical altercation. Right. You know, like Land didn't pull his sword out. Like he was, you know, he was kind of like in the Borderlands. Like when you touch women like that, you lose your hand. Yep. But yep. they didn't actually fight, and the threat was there the whole time. Yep, looming. You could see, you know, the White Cloaks rode up with all those numbers. Yeah, yeah. but it, uh, yeah, I just love how they pulled it off and how tense it was without resorting to violence. Yeah. The whole thing was, I was just like, oh, God, the whole time. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good stuff in my Fantastic, book. Fantastic, yeah. for sure. You know, it. Uh, <laughs> we didn't quite have anything on the level of a uh, wife axing this episode. Yeah, I did, we didn't. We didn't have a wife axe. No, no, I feel like the closest to it was Maureen being like, "We shouldn't go so close to Shadow Lagoth. Like, definitely don't take us into Shadow Lagoth." And then Land's she like, up, well. she's like, you know, they were Trollocs, and she's like, "You've killed us all." And it was really interesting to see Land's moment of like, "Oh, I really did fuck up." Yep. Like yep. it's sort of like. Yeah, I don't feel like Lan is ever that incompetent in the books, but it's kind of cool to see him humanized a little bit. Yeah, because uh, particularly early on in the books, you know, he's he's the more like action man side of kind of the yeah. kind of the Gandalf duo that is Lan and Moraine. Yeah, totally. And, uh, he, he, I, I feel like we didn't really see a few like human cracks in his armor for a long time. A long time, kind of until he starts to like tutor Rand in a right. certain way. Then he becomes sort of like fatherly, but yeah, bit, I thought it was cool bit. to see. Like, I like that. I just feel like with everything, they're like cranking what Jordan had from a six to a ten. They're like just making it so much more upfront. Trollocs Agreed. are bad. White cloaks are bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, Lan is is amazing, but he's still human. You know, and they they're also doing a great job of you know not that we really spend much time with Lan. I mean, the books are all first person, but they jump around between characters, so you get yeah. to be in a lot of characters' heads. But uh, you can see like the stuff that might be you know like kind of more like thought processes on the page. You get to see it in the actors' expressions. They're really doing a great job um, 
bringing that out, uh, particularly with with Perrin. Yeah, he's he's the and rock how much star. Internal of that. monologue we've skipped. Yeah, yes. they picked a really good actor for it because you can still see all the gears turning. Yeah, you just he's, don't have to read them. He's still like kind of kind of a stoic character, like a lot of the time. Faces yeah. blank, but when the emotion comes yeah. up, like it hits. Yeah, it was actually like a pretty intense scene between him and Matt when they're in that um, that like abandoned temple or whatever. And yeah, and you can see, you know, his definite unease when like there's a bunch of wolves here, which yes. I thought it was interesting that we were getting that this early. Like, y- yeah, totally. <sighs> so we considered having a section in the after show called the background of time. Right. In which we talk about, like, what the fuck is actually going on here because there's way too much detail in the series. And I think some, some of stuff it might is like. Be spoilers. Yeah. Is yeah, the problem. So it's tricky. Some of it is, like, just straight up nods to people who've read the books. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. It's one of those yeah. things where, like, you can. You can do. You, like, leave, leave that out. We, we see where some of this stuff is going, for sure. Yes. Like, there are probably a few moments in the actual watch along when we said something and you might have thought. What do they mean by that? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so I guess, like, we probably shouldn't background of time just because, like, we don't want to ruin your foreground of time. Yeah, but, but there's there's a lot going on in the background that's stuff that might seem like, oh, that that doesn't seem to, like, why is this that? Or, like, they get a little too lucky here. Like, there are reasons for damn near everything. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so... It's not just random what's happening. And, you know, we are still getting some expansion of kind of the world and the lore. Yeah, Despite totally. not everything being explained. We had that whole bit about Minethrin. We finally yeah, got to the, awesome. the three oaths, which I was a little disappointed they didn't bring that in sooner. Because mm. first episode, it's kind of like, oh, don't trust Aes Sedai. They pull the strings of the world from the White Tower. Right. And it's like, why? It's kind of, you know, absent any of the background nodes that we have. Kind of, why do you think that beyond just, oh, yeah, magic totally. ladies? Yeah, and then we see her, like, kicking all kinds of ass with magic, and it's like, oh, wow, no wonder they fear her. And then we find out, like, she had to wait until she was in, like, true mortal danger. You know, because in in episode one, Lan's like, we need to leave now. And she's like, nope. She's like, (laughs) I need to be in danger so I can save, you know, this person who's then going to save the world. I need to trigger the exact clause in my oaths where I can start (laughs) being amazing and cause a lot of collateral damage but also ensure literally the entire village does not die yeah totally yeah yeah that's good stuff and can can we can we just talk like i i predicted last time that we were going to have a big dumb action set piece right? about rescuing the nave yeah and i had almost forgotten <laughs> about the nave for and i'm sorry i know i'm pronouncing the name wrong it's just it's what's Nine been Eve. in my head Nine like me Eve. saying instead of shadar logo right obviously right such an american way to say it. whatever you you y'all know what i mean yeah uh <laughs> speaking of american y'all um she came back yeah and it's so good in like saving. the best possible I'm way i'm so curious how did she get away like you know, because she's right. in Trolloc land. Like, yep. they're surrounding the city, presumably, and she had gotten taken by them, and she looks none the worse for the wear. Yes. And, you know, she doesn't... She had, She was a wisdom, and she can, you know, talk to the wind, but... Yeah. That, in the middle of a bunch of Trollocs! Trolloc grabs you like she would... You know, like she couldn't get away which my prediction for next episode is we're going to get the flashback we're going to see at least a hint for sure of what she did because we haven't really spent enough time with her to kind of establish her as like 
the badass that she is being treated as. Like, yeah. you know, we saw cool. some moments. Scream like, back at a Trolloc. Yeah, scream <laughs> back at a Trolloc, like stab it repeatedly yep. in the side. <laughs> Other amazing things. What, what are you, what are you expecting so, next episode? So, uh, funny that we're talking about Nynaeve. The main prediction that I have, and this is just slightly spoilery, but okay, you know that she can listen to the wind and you know that she is the um, the wisdom, so she's a healer. Two yes. plus two. Two plus two makes Moraine is dying and she needs someone to heal her. And this is not mm. in the books, but I think it would make perfect sense for her to basically guide Nynaeve into using the power more directly or for her to like, in a moment of real stress of like Moraine is dying, uh, like Wilder style. Wilder is a thing that they call people who can use the one power without being trained. Uh, heal Moraine because she can't make it to where another sister is going to heal her. I don't think like she's really badly off. And here a healer shows up who can already listen to the wind. So that's right. my prediction. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, yeah I think you're completely dead on there. Yeah, that would make all the sense in the world. Um, did you have any Robert Jordan is rolling in his grave moments? Um, none that I can think of, but it's definitely kind of, as we've gone along, your more recent exposure to the books has become <laughs> yeah. very apparent. So did you have any? Uh, yeah, I do have an advantage there. Um, I, well, for one, as noted in the very end in the watch along, I don't think you can sneak up on Lan. Like, even yeah. if he's like yeah. really regretting all his life decisions, and even if this show is kind of showing him as being a little bit more romantically in love with Moraine than the books do, I still don't think you can sneak up on him. And Nynaeve, you know, like she's a wisdom, but she's not like a, an amazing tracker or something. So I yeah. didn't quite buy that, even though I liked the like aha moment that it gave us of being like, whose That's blade true. is it? Holy fuck, it's Nynaeve. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she was holding a Trolloc blade. If not, she had a really damaged human blade because he was all chopped oh, up yeah. and stuff. So yeah, that's you're right. fucking cool. See, that is a cool promise. I when I saw the knife in in that moment, my brain thought we were going to see a different kind of uh, monster that has not been in the show as of yet hmm. that I won't say. But then my brain immediately forgot that, and oh my god, Nynaeve is back. Oh, I straight up don't know what kind of monster you're talking about. Hmm. There is uh, a kind of monster that uh, doesn't come in until I think like book six or seven, but is very good at infiltration. Oh, okay. Yeah, that. Yeah, one. that would have been a big. That would have been a big jump. But yeah, that I would have been a that. serious Robert Jordan yeah, rolling in his grave. Totally. Also, wouldn't perfectly mesh with its abilities. But anyway, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Not in the show yet. Shouldn't talk about it that much. Totally. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel like Robert Jordan would probably feel like his delicate darlings are being kind of like uh pimped or something because like i said they're just cranking everything up like he'd be like yes those are the white cloaks but they like they don't burn witches at the stake and they don't have like Aes Sedai hunters but... see i feel like they were and maybe this is just maybe they go this direction more later my memories could be getting jumbled but i feel like they i feel like they go a little more overt in like the yeah we'll fight Aes Sedai yeah yeah, they do well. Yeah, so there's a scene... And maybe that's in, later. There's a scene in Towers of Midnight or a whole section where, like, they're squaring off against an enemy that has a bunch of women who can use the power in it, and they're accepting that they're probably going to die, but ah. they're going to fight that fight anyway. 
And right. the whole thing is dumb because they should both be fighting something else. But anyways, not to spoil too much. <laughs> That's the White Cloaks for you. They should be fighting something else, but... <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, other wheels turned this week? It's been a week oh. or so since we recorded our last one. What have you been into? Yes, um, I have been into... Um, it's another video game this time. It's yeah. kind of my main wheelhouse. Um, yeah. It's a... Uh, an, a JRPG for those in the know, kind of like you know Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest, so forth. Um, called Shin Megami Tensei Five. Hmm. Um, it's this, and it's it's sort of relevant to bring up here because we're getting more of like the background lore and kind of the grander struggle. It's a game series where it usually starts just after an apocalypse or right before an apocalypse happens, where kind hmm. of the world is returned to this sort of primordial theological soup. Nice. To the point where huh. there's a bunch of these like mythological creatures and gods running around trying to like basically gain the power to remake the world as they see fit, and that wow. extends to like who's in your party. Like mm. my current party in the game is um, one of the Norns from Norse mythology, Thor, <laughs> and um, so a Hindu god whose name I forget. Huh. But it's kind of you like at it, at the series best. It's like a for a video game a really deep exploration of like humanity's uh, relationship to like religion and sort of how that conflicts with like kind of free will and self determination and uh, yeah kind of thinking about that a little bit more as we see like kind of more of the lore and like kind of the overt like like the monsters showing up in the show. But uh, yeah, what what uh, other wheels are turning for you? Well, as you know, I, uh, one of the great troubles and struggles of my life is that I don't have a lot of time <laughs> outside of taking care of my children and writing my own novels to turn many wheels. Right. But I did finish the one that I mentioned last time, Shadow and Bone. Um, mm. I think it was quite good. And I'm probably going to do a episode of a different podcast about that. Um, it, it got a lot better and diverged from the show in great ways. Um, and I started nice. a book by, uh, I think it's technically a novella, by Adrian Tchaikovsky, who's an amazing writer. He wrote uh, Children of Time. is probably his most famous one. It's science fiction, mm. but he just has a really epic scope to his imagination. And this one is a really cool post-apocalyptic setting um, that reminds me some of this, where, like, because there's an age of legends uh, to this world that was kind of technological, but, like, magic technological. Ah. And in this... There's an anthropologist, which is funny. I have a I have a <laughs> master's degree in anthropology who's been stranded on this world, and he has like super high technology, and everybody else there is like living in the wheel of time. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and they come to seek the sorcerer's aid in defeating this thing. Um, and so far, it's and just, the and the sorcerer is the anthropologist. Yeah, totally. Who just has like <laughs> really good machines, but he's That's a sorcerer. Fantastic. And uh, he's a, yeah, it's been super good so far. He's a great writer, and the sorcerer is like, well, the anthropologist is plagued because like he's basically been abandoned there, and so mm. he's sort of trying to find meaning, even though he knows he's like spoiling the culture that he's there to study by interacting with them at all. And then you get the like very uh, political and manipulative but also wondrous perspective of the like the fourth daughter of the queen who's come even though she didn't have permission to seek out the sorcerer's aid and yeah it's just like quirky and funny and dramatic and the characters are unique and lovable and yeah super good nice oh and i feel like in the watch along oh yeah i just wanted to shout out my own shout out about like <laughs> i do feel like robert jordan that this series like really really influenced where fantasy went as a fantasy writer i've thought a lot about the genre and how it's changed and i called out or maybe it was in episode one even about how 
um, the whole color coding of people yeah. that's become, became such a YA dystopian thing. Uh, YA dystopia is something that I only have like kind of a peripheral yeah. knowledge of. I mean, I know a lot of people my age got really into the YA stuff, but I wasn't. But I do know there are some of those things like color coding and very, you know, sort people into totally just various categories and just this is what you are. Yeah, and that's like what's wrong with society is that it's so rigid. But like right. Victoria Aviard has a series where they have different colors of blood. Um, Pierce Brown, I think is his name, has actually a really good series where they have different colors of blood and it's different kinds of people. And it's like a really overt thing. But I realized, wow, like Aes Sedai have that. And it doesn't feel simplistic in Jordan's books. It feels very deep and complex, especially as the tensions between the colors called Aja's grow. But yeah, I think that that is is a place where his wheels kept turning uh, outside of his own series which is pretty cool to see that influence definitely i mean even uh i know you're a big fan of brand of uh brandon Sorensen, yeah uh, sanderson yeah um and like it's hard to say fast brandon yeah sanderson. <laughs> brandon sanderson brandon sanderson brandon sanderson oh no he'll <laughs> appear in the mirror behind me uh <laughs> like his mistborn series you know yeah. how the magic is very like divided there. Totally. there's not quite as much of a division with the as Sedai, and you know that we haven't really about the only thing you get from the show that far is, uh, you know, the red lady seem mean. <laughs> blue lady seems nice. Yes, this one blue lady that we have met. Yeah, which is... I'm looking forward to us getting more A.S. because I think totally. their whole system in the Ajas is really yeah, fascinating. Particularly totally. when you get into kind of how that plays out and various characters of different colors bounce off each other. Yeah, totally. Yep. Like, I I feel like you could have easily extracted, and maybe it will at one point, a whole season worth out of just uh, A.S. Sedai being A.S. Sedai around other A.S. Sedai. For sure. If they get that far, um, Egwene has such a cool sequence in, uh, I think it's The Gathering Storm or maybe Towers of Midnight, where she's, like, interacting with them in this kind of, like, righteous prisoner mode and it's like oh i love that storyline <laughs> yes it's so good that's after sanderson took over and he did an amazing job with it um okay did you have a uh three words for this oh, episode to sum it up shit. in three words <laughs> uh yeah i so put you on the spot i see i i considered rand is pretty rand's pretty punchable but <laughs> i mean I barely like, needs to be said <laughs> and uh oh god i feel like don't really have a good one for this because for me it mostly felt like it's middle so i think i'm just gonna go with white cloaks are bad that's fair that's fair me i had um groundless suspicion everywhere Ah, because you know there's a lot of uh, the the two rivers kids are kind of putting a lot of uh suspicion sus as they say yes punchable suspicion on moraine when all she has done is just try to keep these ungrateful little yeah. shits alive yeah totally <laughs> yep land's decision to take them into shadar lagoth is sus yeah white cloaks are sus of everybody white cloaks are suspicious of everybody yes that's just that's <laughs> that's just kind of how they be that's cool yep i'll go with that well i think that uh is a sufficient after show um yep. if you have thoughts i'll put a link in the show notes love to hear what you think if you think yeah. i'm totally wrong <laughs> that's valid there's a there's a lot of story here to interpret yeah totally. and you know we we're coming into this with kind of bias from our readings our mental images of what yeah. this world looks like so 
If you're coming into this fresh, you might see things completely a different way. Yeah, I can't. That's valid. That's fine. I love to hear it. Yeah, I can't really escape like my perspective from the books. But um, yeah, if you have thoughts, send them our way. It'd be super cool to hear. Uh, with that, the watch along of time turns. Episodes there, come and go. There are no beginnings in, <laughs> or in the watch along of time. But it is an, an ending. ending. <laughs> <laughs>